Hello, you beautiful minds. This is Alice Strange, and you're here at Magic in the Mind podcast, where spirituality and psychology intersect. Today, we are talking about parts work. Parts work is a type of therapy or I mean, not really its own type of therapy, but it's a therapy method um, that is very interesting. It's very personal to me because I've done a lot of parts work and um, I don't think enough people are talking about it. It's a beautiful thing. Um, (laughs) And today we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the down and dirty and um, I've got some great... uh, instructions or suggestions for you if if you want to kind of look into this for yourself. So sit back, enjoy, take some notes if you need to, and here we go. Parts work. What is parts work? Parts work is a method used in a lot of different therapies. Um, and, and the basis of it is you look at yourself and and recognize that there are many different parts making up the whole. You know, there's there's you as yourself as a whole being, but there's also you know, a part of you who is ashamed, a part of you who is depressed, a part of you who is adventurous and and you know, you can look at all those different pieces and really analyze things like their different needs and wants and beliefs um, that you may consciously or unconsciously be hurt or helped with. Um, If you can can kind of narrow down a part of yourself, uh, usually done in therapy, um, and give that part of yourself a voice, give that part of yourself the opportunity to let you in on their world. Um, You can discover what they need, their beliefs, their fears, and specific triggers for that part of yourself. Um, And altogether, the idea of parts work, the goal is to integrate, not eliminate, but integrate each part of ourselves to give wholeness and and make ourselves feel more alive more fulfilled I'm gonna say it's a little woo-woo and that's probably why I like it so much (laughs) it's very creative um in all seriousness it's very creative you have to be able to isolate a specific personality I don't want to use the word personality because this is not DID that's another thing a lot of people look at parts work and say, oh, talking to different parts of you and different uh, chunks of who you are as a whole, that's that's disassociative identity disorder. That's that's multiple personalities. It's, that's some crazy stuff. You don't want to do that, but that's absolutely not what it is. Um, <laughs> and you actually, as far as I've studied, which is given not a ton, but as far as I've studied, parts work really isn't even a kind of thing they do in treatment of DID. Um, When you have disassociative identity disorder, 
the parts work is kind of just the work. <laughs> you know, you're kind of just doing it for everybody anyways, so you don't really label it parts work. I don't know. It's a it's a little weird thing, but uh, the point of doing parts work is isolating a certain section of yourself. Um, for me, when I started parts work, um, I think the first part of me that we identified was depression. And my therapist was very sly about this, um, has never even used the words part work, parts work with, with me. She um, just kind of was like, oh, well, when you're depressed, like, how do you feel? What, what does this depressed version of you feel like? Okay. And I, I think about it and she asks some questions and we talk about it. And then she goes, oh, well, it seems like you also have an angry part. What does your anger want? What does your anger need from you? Why is it angry? Why is it there? What's the purpose of it being there? And that's, that's how you discover the needs, beliefs, fears, and triggers, and lots of other stuff for each part of who you are. Um, and yeah, it's just a really great therapy that I don't think enough people are talking about. Um, but it does show up in a lot of different types of therapy. Um, there are lots, there are different therapies that will utilize parts work inside of that different specific type of therapy, but it's totally normal. It's normal. I mean, if you think about it, when you go to a party, <laughs> party you acts very different than lunch at grandma's house. You, I mean, <laughs> you're not the same person at a party as you would be at your grandma's lunch, you know? Um, so even right there, you can see, okay, well, yeah, this, this part of me would act this way. And that part of me would act that way. And that's kind of just how you start. Um, for me, I am a very creative out there kind of person. And for her to, my therapist to bring parts work in has been incredibly effective. So healing. I've made so much progress um, using parts work. It's, I, I don't know. You don't ever hear people just talking about it out there. Um, but it's, it's a thing. It's a thing and it's really cool. Um, now I know for a lot of people, you don't really realize what those parts of you are doing or what part affects which until you really think about it, kind of isolate it. Now, when I started parts work in my therapy, my therapist, like I said, was super slick, just kind of like slid it right in there under my nose. And, and I didn't really notice until we're full on referring to different parts of myself by their, their assigned name. Um, and I still didn't even know it was parts work until I listened to um, one of the podcasts by Chloe Taylor, uh, who is like my favorite creator. Um, and she talked about doing parts work on your own through meditation. Um, if I can find the link to that episode, I will so give you guys that link. It's great. Um, she talks about how she 
you know, meditates, pictures a house, and inside this house lives all the parts of her. And and I think this was um, something her therapist had suggested. And she went in and would like call up different parts of herself and and talk to them and and just kind of like interview them, get to know them, be friends with them. Um, for me, it was not that uh, bright, flashy, revolutionary. It was very like, well, it seems like when you're depressed, you act very different than when you're angry. What is the difference? What What does this part feel about it? How does this part feel about it? And like I said, it was just done very naturally, very well done. Props to my therapist. So just a quick warning. Um, I'm definitely going to be very authentic during this episode. I try to be authentic during every episode, but here we're going to get talking about some, some real like personal stuff about my inner parts and, and I'm okay sharing with you all about that um, because I can't see your faces and so it's not scary, <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't really get to talk to my family about it. They think it's kind of weird my wife is pretty supportive and I have good friends that are also kind of in the mental health sphere that, you know, I can sit down and have a conversation about breakthroughs and stuff and celebrate that with them. Uh, but yes, I'm going to be very authentic and, um, I love that for me. I hope you do too. Uh, so I'm going to start breaking this down a little bit by, um, looking at, three types of parts. This is like, if you're going to break it down without help from a therapist, um, and kind of, or even, you know, your therapist might take this route, but you know, if you're really just starting, um, I'm going to give three examples and, um, kind of suggestions on how to figure those things out. And I'm going to give you, uh, my examples of these specific parts. The first specific part um, identified commonly in just different therapies when it comes to parts work is called the inner critic. Um, And for me, the inner critic we call shame. Uh, It is my shame. It is all the guilt and shame that I've built up over the years. Um, It, and then speaking generally, um, your inner critic is really responsible for any feelings of unworthiness, worthlessness, those kind of really dark, lonely, deep down feelings. Um, That's the inner critic. And to kind of figure out a little bit about this inner critic, you can ask yourself, when I'm feeling sad or ashamed, what kind of things do I find myself saying about myself? So first identify what are the things that your brain is telling you when you feel sad or ashamed. Then think about the voice. What does this voice remind you of? Does it remind you of anyone? Um, Is it a male voice or a female voice? Is it a version of yourself or is it your parents, your school teacher that traumatized you. You know, it can be so many things. Um, and then also as you're kind of picking up the ideas from the voice, 
imagine your inner critic. Close your eyes and just imagine your inner critic. What shape do they take? What, what do they wear? What are they, um, an animal? Are they a human? Um, are they a specific person you recognize? What is their name? What is their age? Age is a good one to know. Um, just kind of when imagining and bringing up these feelings and kind of facing this part of yourself, it's really helpful to know, uh, kind of the, the different things about that part of yourself, because it'll help you heal those things. It's bothering it. Heal, you know, you don't want to feel unworthy all the time. So your inner critic has got to get integrated and, and, um, learning about it is the first way to do it. Moving on. The second big personality part is your inner child. Um, as you may have seen or already listened, uh, I have two whole episodes, episodes uh, two and three, about inner child healing. Um, they are intense. And if you find yourself really resonating and really getting to know your inner child a lot, um, I would recommend watching those or listening to those, um, if you're having trouble figuring out your child self, maybe go in and listen through. Um, there's a lot of really good information in there about inner child work. But what is a child part, personality part, an inner child? Um, it's basically just a part of you that is childlike or um, appears to be a younger version of yourself. So it doesn't actually have to be a child. So for me, I have two younger selves that I focus on mostly. Um, I have child Alice and then I have teenage Alice and they are quite different. Um, and you know, I'm up there in years, 30 whole years alive on this planet. And uh, so I've kind of started looking at like young adult Alice, things like 18 to 22-ish. That was a hard time for me. So things about that are starting to come up in my personal therapy as well. Um, but my whole point being, they don't have to be children. <laughs> they are just a younger version of yourself. And so keep in mind that there can be multiple. Um, but when you're asking yourself questions to kind of learn about them and you've um, isolated one of them, <clears throat> you, you can start by closing your eyes, going into meditation or just visualizing like anybody would. Um, picture your inner child and identify how old they are or at least around what age um, and what are they wearing and what is with them? Do they, are they holding anything? Um, things like that. Just notes to, to make on their appearance. What emotions does your inner child look and feel like they have when you see them? How do they look? Do they look devastated? Are they crying or do they look joyful and happy? You can ask yourself, 
When do you notice your inner child part the most? What situation, what situations cause them to come out? It's kind of like, what is their triggers? What, what is that part of you triggered by? Um, and then moving on, what is your inner child afraid of? What does this part of you need? Um, those are all things to consider. Uh, the, you know, those are actually really important questions. Uh, what are they afraid of and what do they need? Um, and how can you take care of this part of yourself in a way that makes them feel really good and really safe? Because as I mentioned in all of my inner child healing uh, episodes, you know, you need to care for them and, and make them feel safe. Safety is a big thing if you're the kind of person who didn't have a safe childhood, which is, you know, most of us, right? <laughs> there was at least one unsafe thing that happened in your childhood. Um, and then we'll move on to the next part, which is called your inner champion. Um, an inner champion is the part of you that recognizes your worthiness, your potential, and connects you to your true nature and um, they are very wise and grounded and expansive. Um, this can be something as simple as just another part of you. This can be what some people might call your higher self, um, you know, but for me, I didn't really have an inner champion at first. You know, that shame piece was so strong uh, it kind of ran the show, really, and there was no room for an inner champion. But when we got shame under control and that smoothed out, this inner champion part of me did step up. And, and I don't really even have a name for them yet, but uh, inner champion works just fine. Uh, it's very, it's like you finally have someone on your side. Right? You know, it's someone who, when you feel down about yourself, they say, hey, remember? Remember that good thing we did? Yeah, we're not so bad. You know, it's great to have this part of you, but I will say that not everybody is going to have every part. And I didn't have an inner champion when I started parts work therapy. Um, but things you can ask yourself to learn about your inner champion. Um, what kind and loving messages does this part of you say? What are the messages? What voice does it use? And do you recognize that voice? You can also ask, what does your inner champion look like? Is it human or an animal or something else? Or like, how do you feel when you see your inner champion, when you visualize them? How do you feel? What, is, what does that bring up for you? Um, what is your inner champion passionate about? And what do they think you're capable of? You know, this can be a very formed, very fully formed part of yourself. Um, you, you can like recognize music or books or kind of like events or experiences that brings them to life, that nourishes them. You know, they kind of may pop up a little bit more or they might pop up less but you feel like that part of you just feels a little validated 
Um, it's an interesting question to try and explore. And so then you can also ask, what are they best at providing for you? Um, what are they best at creating and doing for you? What, what good things does your inner champion do for yourself? So if you are not currently doing parts work therapy, um, I'm going to give you like four uh, signs of like inner conflict that may indicate parts of you are struggling. Um, and the first one is internalized aggression, uh, being very hard on yourself, lashing out at yourself, any thoughts of suicide or self-harm, um, inward focused anger, uh, that if you have an inward focused anger, you know, you get angry about something and you just dump it all on yourself, uh, that can be a sign. And it usually comes along with not being allowed to be angry as a child, you know, being told, uh, being angry is bad and, and that's bad for you. And, and, when you put those pieces together, it kind of makes a lot of sense, uh, a little too much sense. Um, the things that this, uh, internalized aggression, similar to like an inner critic, uh, they, they may have, there may be phrases that pop up in your head when you're feeling this internalized aggression. Um, you might hear things like you're a bad person or you made me hurt you or you're not worthy of my time. Um, you'll never amount to anything. Really, any kind of insult can be from that. And to heal that kind of part of you, or the internal focused anger, invite that part of yourself to a meditation. Um, when I do this, I don't remember where I got this idea. Um, when I do this, I picture a park, a really just a nice park on a cool summer day. And I tell myself my XYZ part is on a park bench. And I turn and look and I see the park bench. I see that part of myself sitting there. And if you're an intuitive person, this comes very naturally. Well, if you're an intuitive and visualizer, some people aren't visualizers. Um, but, you know, you can literally walk up and sit next to this emotional bully, this, this inner critic. And uh, you can have a conversation. And the things they say to you, challenge them. Challenge their beliefs. And reassure the worry, you know, maybe your part says you are not going to finish school. You can't finish school. You, you're just not smart enough. You reassure that you, you challenge that belief, say, well, you know, we are getting a pretty good GPA and we are passing our classes and, you know, there's no reason to worry about it. It'll be okay. You know, just having a conversation. And once you've worked out some of those things, uh, if you're, if you're this ahead of the curve, you can make an agreement on how to move forward. Um, this can be anything 
as simple as, uh, hey, when I'm dealing with XYZ, please do not say hurtful things. And, you know, you'll have to try and put that into action. But, you know, I mean, because ultimately you have control of yourself and this is a part of yourself. But, you know, you, you can do something just that simple or you can even say, all right, here's the new game plan. You don't do this and like have a whole plan. You can, you can go as, as far with it as you want. Um, but then, you know, when you, when you see, uh, the, the inner part of you and, and you have that conversation, you might start seeing who originally angered you. Um, examples of that, someone who didn't protect you, uh, someone who was supposed to care for you, but didn't. Um, or they hurt you. It could be God. It could be society. It could be the world. Whatever you're mad at usually is what brings about this kind of part. I will say I've had a lot of internalized aggression toward myself. Um, and it came with the shame kind of when shame really activated. Uh, it was very hurtful, very mean, very, you're not worth it. And, you know, just horrible things that you would never say to someone you cared about, but you say it to yourself. And unfortunately, that statement is way too true in today's world. You would never say those things to a child. So why are you saying them to yourself? You would never say those things to someone you love. So why are you saying it to yourself? Think about that for a little bit. Another sign of inner conflict can be like shame that cannot be erased. Um, and this was the big one for me. This was the one, <laughs> this was the one. Shame is, was harsh. I don't really deal with shame much anymore. Um, thankfully, uh, took a good year or so to get him to calm down, but shame, shame did eventually get integrated and worked through. So I want to assure you that, you know, there is hope out there, but when you experience shame that just cannot be erased, it really distorts your identity. You believe at your very core that you are a bad person. You believe things like you are damaged. You are unworthy of love. You don't deserve good things. These are all things that I had unconsciously hidden inside me with this internalized shame. Um, things that can bring this on is if you were ignored or hurt or shamed as a child, um, those are all really hurtful things that can happen to a kid. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff comes from childhood. Um, but it affects how you interact with people. You know, it, it sucks any ounce of confidence you may have out of you. So of course you're going to interact with people differently. Um, it's going to influence relationships and like what you think you're worthy of. 
You ever know that kid or that, I don't want to say kid, but you ever know that adult, that friend or, or acquaintance who is just a really good person to everybody, but they date all the losers, all the losers. They date every last one of them. And I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't, that's this, <laughs> that is shame hidden deep, uh, subconsciously telling them that this is the kind of thing they're worthy of. Some, some loser, <laughs> you know, that sucks. And, uh, you know, having this kind of distorted identity because of shame that can affect how you parent your children or like set boundaries, like even simple things. Um, it really affects everything. And to heal this, um, I, I said this a lot in my inner child episode, um, inner child healing episodes, but when you say something negative about yourself, I know this sounds silly. I really do know you've got, you've got to try it before you can just knock it. Okay. When you say something about yourself that is negative, stop, stop the dialogue and say something nice or, or neutral instead. You know, you can knock something over and, and it breaks and you say, oh God, I'm such a fuck up. Then you have to say, wait, no, hold on. That was a mistake and it was an accident. Every person on this planet has mistakes and accidents. Get over it. It's not a big deal. Okay. We're moving on and just move on. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple, but it's not that simple at the beginning because, you know, you are so used to these being on autopilot, these thoughts just popping in. And uh, if you don't know how to stop and really like hold up that negative talk, that's the hard part. Remembering to stop yourself is the hard part. Another sign that there might be inner conflict is uh, age regressing. And I'm not talking about doing it as a hobby. <laughs> I'm talking it, I'm talking about it as like it happens involuntarily. So this would look like feeling like a child in an adult's body or throwing a tantrum or a tendency to argue with a family member or someone who reminds you of them. You know, like you have some random coworker that just really reminds you of your younger brother and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. And you don't even know why you just can't stand him. Um, <laughs> and you might argue with them. You might, or you might just secretly hate them from a distance. Um, also even things like craving certain foods that you had a lot as a child or like suddenly not following normal routines that you used to follow. This could be because you've regressed into the mindset of a younger version of yourself. Um, this is usually brought on by some kind of trigger. It can be, um, a certain time of year. Uh, that one is actually common for a lot of people. Um, not just like seasonal depression, but like seasonal age regression. It's, it's a thing. Um, any situations that are similar to a childhood trauma can trigger this or experiencing some kind of big loss. Those are hard things. And, your brain sometimes doesn't know how to handle that and you end up with a child on the inside. And 
um, to work through this, you can ask yourself, I'm kind of repeating myself on this one, you know, we're age regression, inner child work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you can ask yourself how young this part is, how they feel. Um, invite this part of you to join you in a meditation. I do this on my park bench all the time. You can hold them, let them cry, let them know you're an adult who will take care of them. All those other things we talked about in episodes two and three. Um, there's another problem that, that can pop up that indicates there is some internal conflict and that is perfectionism. And I always feel so, so called out when people talk about perfectionism. Like I'm so, so much a perfectionist. I really am working on it. It's hard though. And, uh, you know, I, I get a little defensive sometimes <laughs> when people point out like, hey, you're just being a perfectionist about this. Uh, it, yeah. Anyway, relate on this one. But um, this can look like setting goals that are just too high, unrealistically high, uh, like making the perfect dinner every single night or getting the perfect business technique or impeccable meditations every morning or even things like my hair has to look exactly like I want it to every single day. And if something happens, that day is ruined. Um, you know, it can be little things. It can be big things. It's, you know, a, a real vast topic when it comes to perfectionism. Um, and to work through this, all you perfectionists out there are about to scream. But to work through this, you can try to do one single thing today, one thing that is imperfect. Just do something imperfectly, on purpose. Make a mistake on purpose. And you don't have to love it. You don't have to, you know, frame it and hang it on the wall. But you can see that whatever you did that was imperfect, it, it was it wasn't as scary as your mind had told you. It wasn't as scary as you imagined it would be. You did it, you survived and, and you're going to move on. And that's, that's kind of just how you work through those things sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's a hard one, but it is what it is. So shifting gears a little bit, um, there is something that is called internal family systems therapy, um, or IFS. Uh, it's, I believe a newer therapy, um, that really does focus on the different parts of our mind. It's kind of just like parts work on steroids. Um, from my understanding, I've not done this exact therapy. I've not looked into any of the trainings or anything like that, but um, it's, it's a kind of therapy. They accept that we all have different parts of ourselves and every part of ourselves deserves attention and help. And, and that's a very, they try and just normalize that and, and to people realizing that there are different parts of, of each human. So we talked about the 
three general types of uh, inner critic, inner child, and inner champion. Um, with IFS, um, internal family systems therapy, there are also three types, different types of personality parts. Um, the first one is managers. Um, and this is just kind of like a protective part of you. Um, it serves to protect in some way or another, but it also, uh, helps us just do day-to-day -day stuff. You know, the things we need to do in life. Um, but you know, as it's a protective part, it can sometimes get a little too protective, pushing for perfection, pushing for flawlessness. So no one can ever say a bad thing about us ever because we're flawless. And that's the goal, but that's a very unhealthy goal. And, um, you know, in the end, you could like get just a little too overwhelmed. Um, but, but yeah, these managers run our day-to-day -day life, um, when we need them to. And I definitely have a version of this and I just call her business Alice. Um, business Alice <laughs> comes in when I'm at work and, uh, she comes in, we're chatty, we're cheerful. We say hi to everybody. We sit down at our desk. We do all the things we, you know, talk to people who are in crisis for a whole day and then, you know, just moves through, moves along and gets stuff done. Um, I don't always function as business, Alice. You know, I will be my own self, but this is usually when I'm dealing with a lot of stuff in my life that's just too stressful. It's almost like being able to dissociate, but like leave a, a part of you in charge. <laughs> business, Alice. Um, the next uh, personality part um, they call exiles. And these are injured or traumatized parts of you that have been exiled and pushed down by the managers. So remember, the managers are trying to protect you. And the exile is just this poor, broken little part of you. Um, and the manager's like, no, we can't fix that. But like, let, we can't leave it out here either. So shove it down in that hole, shove it down, way down, way down. And um, there can be multiple exiles and that's tricky. And you might not even notice that you have this. You might not be consciously aware that this is a part of you, but they become increasingly extreme and eventually can just kind of, you know, when, when your managers have been going all day and, and you are too stressed out or there's some sort of trigger, they can override the managers. Basically like, fuck you guys, get out. It's time for us to run the show. And managers don't like that. And exiles don't like that either because they're sad and broken. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know, healing that through the IFS, that is, of course, the goal. For me, um, Child Alice and Teenage Alice are both exiles, um, or they were, you know, I've, I've brought them out of exile, um, and now they're just a part of the system, the, the, I don't want to say system, that sounds like DID, just a part of who I am. They are a part of who I am as a person. Um, and then the third type is called firefighters, and it's another 
part that's a protective part, just like the managers. But rather than run our day-to-day life, these firefighters are putting out the emotional fires at whatever cost it takes. Um, so, you know, you, you get triggered and the managers are getting a little overwhelmed. The firefighters are going to jump in and put out the emotional fire. They're going to, you know, uh, whatever it's, it's very situational, but, but, um, usually when this happens, it can often lead to a backfire. Like I would say the intention is to like, make sure we don't burn ourselves down in this emotional fire, but it often leads to unhealthy coping skills, um, or unhealthy past patterns. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean things like, uh, substance use or eating disorders. Um, I do have a firefighter, um, haven't really gone into her much, you know, and I'm telling you, I've done parts work in my therapy for like over two years now. And it's just, there's so much to be done. You know, I don't, I don't even have a name for this part of myself yet, but there's definitely a firefighter. Um, and she is in some way related to teenage Alice. Um, teenage Alice likes to say, fuck you parents. I'll do whatever I want. (laughs) Like teenagers do. And this part of me you know, I, I, to put out the fire, to put out the freaking out or the meltdown or the breakdown, I just say, fuck you, I don't care. And I do whatever I want, which usually means isolating myself, which is very, very uncommon for me. I literally thrive on social interaction. If I can't have a conversation with someone for like for a 24 hour period, I would probably lose my mind. Tangent here, but you know, those like isolation rooms where like you see in like scary movies where they put you in like a pure white room with nothing in it and it's just like isolation chamber and you you just sit there in silence that's not, that is my worst nightmare not a lie my worst nightmare i would lose my mind so quickly um every part of me would be out there just talking and going uh, i don't mean to be silly but dang isolation is hard it's it's the one thing I know that's going to hurt me more than anything else and and this is okay we're kind of getting a little deep on this one but I know isolating myself is going to hurt me period it will but the this teenage Alice related uh unnamed part of me really also likes to slip back into ideas of self-harm And, you know, bringing it up is like the solution to everything. (laughs) And we're like, whoa, buddy. No, no, no. And they're like, well, then I'm just going to make you have no more friends. (laughs) It's so awful. And it's, it's, I can joke about it, but it really is a vicious cycle. You know, if you aren't taking care of yourself, yeah, it, it can be bad sometimes. We all know. We all know. We've been there. But, um, you know, to kind of wrap up here on IFS, um, internal family systems therapy, they have four main goals. And the first one is freeing 
each part from their roles and allowing them to be their natural selves. So, you know, business Alice doesn't have to make sure we're always perfect in business. You know, free her from that role. Let her be the the intellectual or creative or whatever the fuck she wants to be. Figure that out and let her do that and just let her be her natural self. Child Katie? Yeah. You know what, man? Just go fucking color every coloring book in the whole fucking bookshelf. Do it. Like, you've got to free those parts and let them be them nat- their natural selves to bring wholeness and oneness with yourself. Um, it also, the second goal is to restore faith in yourself and in self-leadership. So, Once you've got all of these parts, you know, sorted out and everybody's doing well, you do really start to believe in yourself. And um, the third goal is to reharmonize the inner system. Everybody's chilling. Everybody's having a great time. That's awesome. That's part of the thing. And then the fourth goal is uh, to lead you to be increasingly self-led in your interactions with the world. So rather than letting your parts kind of take shifts and pop up here and there and go crazy, you, yourself, you know, you choose to lead. You can drive the, the car. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that analogy of like, you have to drive your own car. You know, if if you have anxiety, anxiety can sit in the passenger seat, but you've got to drive your car. You can't let anxiety drive your car. That's a bad idea, my friend. Anxiety does not have a driver's license. Uh, So, uh, joking, really. But it's that same thought. Like, being self-led, not relying on negative or other people, negative habits, things to lead you throughout the world. You do it yourself and you do it with confidence. Um, And just as a wonderful treat for all of you, I have a link to some IFS worksheets, exercises, and uh, detailed resources. It's what I wrote uh, in my notes. Uh, (laughs) Just a bunch of resources and exercises and things to get started on IFS if that's something you want to pursue in yourself. Um, I'll have it in the description, I promise. Um, and I think I think that would be good for anybody, you know? You can always give it a try, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. F it. Get rid of it. Whatever. But I would encourage everyone to at least give it a try if this episode resonated with you at all. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, Thanks for joining me to learn about parts work therapy and uh, a little bit more about my inner self. That was a fun little journey we took together. No, wasn't it? Um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really hope that it resonated with you. Um, maybe it will lead you to learn more about yourself or 
learn more about others or apply that knowledge in some way or at least interest you. Because, you know, as I always say, stay curious, my friends. I'll catch you in the next one.